Hi, welcome to the Afrocomb podcast. This is your host, Ropa, and I'm so excited to have you here. Listen, listen, this is a podcast where every single episode is an interview with a person of African descent living in Europe. So why don't you come along with me as I get to hear some of the most interesting, inspiring, heartwarming, and also funny stories from some really, really, really dope people. Yeah? Hey. Okay. Okay, guys, it's episode one. We're here. We're live. I'm excited. Anyone who actually like knows me in person or follows me on Instagram was actually like literally sick of hearing me speak of a podcast that technically did not exist. So congratulations, guys. We're finally here. I appreciate your patience. Like this is happening. It's real. This podcast was not happening in my imagination and I'm ready to finally share it with the world. So yeah, this is me coming to you live from my apartment in Berlin, which I have been in for 14 days and counting because hashtag coronavirus and (sighs) listen, I really hope you're staying home, whoever you are. I really hope like if you can help it, I really hope you're listening to me from the comfort of your home as well, because this thing is a real thing. And if you're one of the people who work in an industry or in an area where you are considered an essential service at this time and you can't actually take time from work and you're actively like in the front lines uh, fighting this virus. I just want to say that I salute you. We appreciate you. You inspire us. We're thankful for you. And yeah, like keep going, man. Thank you. Heartfelt. This is like all the nurses, the doctors, people working in pharmacies and just the medical industry, but also people helping keep supermarkets open, people helping keep drugstores open. And all, also all of these, you know, like at least in Berlin, you have like a lot of restaurants that are continuing to deliver food and everything like shout out to you. We appreciate you. We salute you. Thank you. If you are not one of these people, I really hope you're listening to this from home because this is how you volunteer, mate. Like, this is how you and I volunteer. Like, if your job is like your quality assurance something, honestly, at a car manufacturing company, please, please stay home. (laughs) But um, it's in this time where, you know, the world, the entire world is going through a pandemic and literally the world is at a standstill and we're at a dark time that you kind of realize exactly what it is that we turn to in times of need as people. And this is the thing, if you're like in quarantine or self-isolating at the moment or social distancing, what have you been doing? You've been watching Netflix, you have been listening to a lot of music, you've been reading to bo- reading books, you've been binge watching things on YouTube. Essentially, What you have been doing is consuming art. So I want to give a big shout out to artists right now because you are who the world turns to when, excuse my French, shit hits the fan. So really want to give a big shout out to artists and particularly artists who even took the decision to stay at home, even though like, like, for example, event Um, event organizers or DJs who are staying at home, even though the times like that's their entire livelihood and staying at home would be a threat to their source of income. Shout out to you. And this brings me to the very, very first guest 
of the Afrochrome podcast. This guy is an artist, um, essentially. His name is Gary Godson. I'm excited uh, that this is our f- this is the first interview I'm ever going to publish because it turns out that his album, his second studio album, was scheduled to drop on Saturday, the 28th of March, and he can no longer have like a big launch party because hashtag coronavirus. So it's really awesome that we had already recorded a podcast together and it's amazing the timing of it all is that I get to drop this interview that I had with him and you all get to know him and if you are fans of Gary Godson you get to see this other side of him. I do ask him questions about his music in this interview. If you don't know who Gary Godson is then it's an opportunity for you to actually follow him on Instagram and uh, follow him on Spotify, SoundCloud, I iTunes, all of these other streaming platforms and check out his second studio album that drops tomorrow. Gary is a Nigerian Afrofusion artist. Um, He's based in Berlin. He's lived in Germany for about four years and we had a lovely conversation about so many different things starting from like his upbringing and how he discovered his love for music to the, how his parents has, have influenced the man that he is today to also like some very key topics that I think are relevant today, such as why it's important to own your own masters, black ownership, um, what it takes to make it as an African artist in Germany, all of these different themes. And I'm excited for you guys to hear this episode This was not the very first episode I recorded, but it's the very first episode that is going to be dropped on this podcast. So yeah, Uh, and remember to stay tuned to the end of this uh, episode because I'm still going to give you some insights, little tidbits on like what's coming next. You know what I'm saying? This is a podcast that drops every other Friday, so stay tuned. I'm just excited to have you in the stew. I'm excited to be here as well. <laughs> I'm excited to have you on the pod. So I'm going to start with a random question. Okay. How many, how many siblings do you have? Um, I have three. Okay. Yeah, I have oh. two brothers, um, also in Germany. Yeah. And I have a baby sister back in a Nigeria. I mean, what's baby? She's a big girl now. So what number like, are you? I'm the second child. You're the second child. Yeah. Can you rank you and your brothers in terms of like, who you think is the cutest? Like, who's oh, got the most swag? Oh, we don't have to do that, do we? <laughs> <laughs> My brothers are going to kill me. But yeah. I'm just going to be honest and say me, you know, just... Okay, <laughs> so you're number one. Wow. No, no, no. Okay. I mean, oh, my okay. brothers have each, like, very spectacular things about them, yeah. you know, that really makes them stand out. Look at you bringing up, like, they've got personality. And they... No, come on. <laughs> don't, don't do my family just, like that. I this just is wanted like, to start with putting you on the spot, because why shouldn't I? Why I have very, I have I? very good-looking brothers. Okay, awesome. I don't know too many things, but I could tell you that one for sure. Okay, <laughs> I love that. And all your brothers, you said, live in, in Germany? Yeah, I have two brothers in Germany. I moved to Germany one with my elder brother. We arrived ah, in Germany the same, the same day, and oh, wow. we went our separate ways at the airport. Where did he go? To a different um, city, Yeah, he went to a different city where he was going to do his master's as well. How long ago was this? Um, I arrived in Germany around four years already. Four years? Yeah, it's been a while. Wow. Almost half a decade. And then you went to some village. You didn't arrive in Germany until you came to Berlin, fam. <laughs> Is that how we really want to kick this up? It's like, you really don't, don't do know. me like that? I don't know what you were doing for the first three and a half years or however long it I was, was. I was I was studying in Ilmenau for my master's degree in media and communication science. That's okay. why I came to Germany to study. Yeah. 
And I mean, Ilmenau is a very small city, but it was also a great time for me because it gave me the opportunity to learn more about myself. It was a good time for me to kind of, you know, focus more on music, discover yeah. new things that I also had passion about and, you know, just develop new interests as yeah. well. Um, so it was definitely a blessing, you could say. And during the time, I wasn't just in Ilmen. I was moving around Europe as well. I was traveling, traveling in different cities yeah. around Germany, yeah. performing, you know, making music, connecting with people. What brought you and your brother to the point where you actually decided to move to Germany? Um, my elder brother actually did tell me immediately after my graduation, my bachelor, that it's possible to study in Germany. Yeah. And it's not so expensive. It's quite affordable when you compare it with studying in the UK or yeah. in the US. So I thought about the option and it wasn't so clear to me when I graduated what I was going to do immediately. I mean, I had the option of moving to Lagos, starting up a studio. Right. But like, I ah, also so you were already wanna... you were already doing the music thing yeah, absolutely. at that point. Yeah, okay, we're going to get into that. But yeah. yeah, okay. So, yeah, so you... We're considering going to Lagos or coming yeah, to Germany. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I was still very open to the idea of studying because I graduated at the age of, I think it was 21. With a bachelor's degree? Yeah. Oh, wow. When did yeah. you start uni? <laughs> Actually, I had, I had two years of delay back home in Nigeria before I got into the uni into the university. So if I actually got to the university when I was supposed to go, I would have graduated at the age of 19. What? Okay, so when did you finish high school? <laughs> what? Uh, like, it I did was, not know It was really you. fast. But I can tell you that I graduated my bachelor's degree at, at the age of 21. Because I arrived in Germany when I was 22. Ah, okay. And yeah. then you went straight into the master's. Exactly. You were like, let's do this. Yeah. And at what point did you decide you wanted to pursue a career in music? Uh, music has always been a big part of my life. Yeah. Growing up, I was very fascinated about you know, just the whole technology that went behind you being able to listen to songs on the radio and okay. to be able to watch videos on TV. And I was very inspired yeah. by, by seeing Michael Jackson perform, you know, being um, singing or dancing or just his public appearances. I think that was the first big motivation I had that made yeah. me kind of feel like, you know, music is something which connects to me on a deeper, more spiritual level. Yeah. And it, around my teenagehood, when I was 13, a friend of mine introduced me um, to FL Studio. It's a production software for making beats and for taping vocals. Yeah. 13, you said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was like my first official um, introduction to a music production software. What was the first song you ever made called? I'd love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you about. I will, I will definitely tell you about that. But it became my new fascination and my new obsession. Right. I was spending hours just trying to learn more about music production, right. how it worked, and I got so deep in it. I wasn't really enjoying the basic stuff like hanging out with friends who were my age, because oh, wow. most of the local producers were way older than I was. So it was like a motivation for me to kind of explore new things, meet new people, and. Since then, I just never stopped. Every house I lived in when I was at university, traveling around, I always had a home studio because mm -hmm. it was very important for me to, you know, be hands-on, to be able to produce music yeah. whenever I wanted as well. And just when I saw that, I already had the basic information on how to produce. There was a neighborhood producer called Robotic Man. He he passed away last year. May so rest in May peace. He was peace, very yeah. influential in, you know, me learning how to produce and how to take vocals professionally. Mm. So that was actually like my first core foundation with 
uh, music production. So it actually did start from music production before it then transferred into, right. you know, songwriting and then mm -hmm. me coming to Germany and finally just picking up a career personally to pursue. You had a very interesting question I yes, missed. Yes, the first, the first song you ever made. The hey. first song I ever made is called The Devil Can't Touch Me. Oh, <laughs> it's like a Christian song. I was I in a gospel it. group, yeah. I was in a you were in a gospel group yeah. when you were... When I started, yeah, around oh, wow. 14 years old. Okay, so yeah. is there With like two of my friends. somewhere of this? Is there like a... Something I can listen mm, to. We didn't make it that far. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we did record something. Okay. We recorded a song together, Devil Can't Touch Me. And that was the that was like when I realized that I could actually do this on alone as well because Oh wow, you Beyonce of the group. No, 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 no. It's not even that deep. Yeah. It's not that deep. The thing is, I was working with my friends, you know, making music together with the neighborhood producer. Yeah. And it just felt like I was more passionate about everything that went around it in terms of the sound, in terms of the next steps, like the mixing and the mastering, right. in terms of like negotiations of seeing that we got the record in good time, in terms mm. of like ideas of where we could perform it. And of course, the other group members were also interested, but I just felt like... You were really into exactly. You really I was tapped into something that yeah, you wanted to do. Exactly. And that was life. back in high school. Yeah. So I already had a clear vision about it. And many other folks that were my friends started picking up, you know, the idea of rapping as well and yeah. writing songs. So it became like a like a movement. There was actually like a big culture around music and comedy back in my high school. This is what I was gonna ask next was like, were you in an environment, it sounds like you were, an environment that actually like celebrated that you wanted to do something like music? Because I would imagine, at least thinking to some, like about Zimbabwe and like Shona culture, just academics are very important. Yeah. And we want, people want you to pursue things like the sciences and the arts and they want you to grow up to be a doctor and mm -hmm. an engineer. That in some families it's hard, or even just communities in general, it's hard to kind of convince at the age of 13 to convince the people around you that this is worth dedicating your time to. Yeah. And you also don't have those structures in place where it's like, okay, we have a kid, he wants to be a producer. Who should he hang out with? So did you actually have that kind of support at 13 when you decided to start pursuing music? Um, from home, I would say not initially because okay. like... My parents are scholars, you could say. My dad is a lawyer. My mom is a... She's been a teacher for so many years. Right. Now heading oh, to school as a chemistry teacher. Mm. So, I mean, just very educated folks who have the traditional thinking that mm. after... Oh, and you yeah, know, very, very educated Nigerian. Yeah, after studying, yeah. you know, whatever you study should be something related to medicine. I was actually going to be a doctor. I was saying it for so many years okay. that I was going to be a doctor. My mm -hmm. dad wanted me to be a doctor, so I he used to call me... You finished high school at 14, <laughs> so I... <laughs> he used to call me doctor. He used to call me Dr. Gary, you know. So I was already just thinking in my mind, like, I was definitely going to do something professional in this sense. But I think the environment in school was more experimental, Okay. You know, we had kids who were just free thinkers, you know. Yeah. You loved something, you just went for it, you just tried it, we got better. And right. the environment kind of bred just competition in, in a sort of way, competition and creativity, in, and creativity, but also in a very healthy type of way because we used to have, like, rap battles in school, and we used to have guys who used to go, like, really hard at each other with, like, 
jokes they shouldn't even be making, oh, wow. you know, at the okay. expense of I, each I other. Like and there was like yeah. a lot of crazy back scene stuff happening, you know. And we used to have kids who just, you know, knew how to gamble. And this was all happening, <laughs> you know. So it was like, I tried <laughs> gambling. Like, what happened in school? Is this? Okay, I don't know how it. that's related, but I just want to give you like a picture of how colorful it was, yeah. how my high school was. Yeah. You know, there Makes was like different side hustle, hustles people had, you know, like selling stuff or like selling CDs too and stuff which like this. Ci- stuff. Which city was this? Which city did you grow up it's in? It's in a city called Wari. Wari. Yeah, yeah, in Nigeria. If you know okay. Wari, you would know it's, it's actually a city that has produced many comedians from Nigeria, musicians, okay. like okay. really successful people in the entertainment industry. But it's also really small. And it's the oil city where most of the resources, which is used to develop the rest of Nigeria, is gotten from. Because ah, the main source of revenue from Nigeria is oil. Okay. So it's a region where these natural resources are gotten, but like there's not so much being done um, on the part of the government to see that the people reap the benefits of what's okay. gotten from their soul. So are other people, is like worry like a wealthy city? Probably. It is a okay. very wealthy city okay. when you talk about natural resources, but like there's not really been a stabilized way to kind of like let the people have like a real taste yeah. of what they deserve. Instead, the water has been polluted from like all of the exploration activities and, and refineries and, and stuff right. like this. The people can't fish. Because like fishing is a very common thing because it's really surrounded by a lot of water bodies. And, yeah. you know, so just early growing up, I experienced the aftermath of such decisions which the government was making, like, you know, people picking up arms and becoming like militants, not in the city city, but like just a couple of kilometers away. So wow. it was something you could feel in a certain type of way. You could understand the energy around it, mm. even though you were not necessarily in the midst of it happening. So... It was like I had like an upbringing of like being with uh, working class Nigerian parents and yeah. experiencing what it meant to be an average Nigerian, but also not being so far from where it could, you know, be easily very ghetto. Yeah. This is really fascinating. Okay, so you, this city is like pretty small and yeah. around it is where like all these crazy things are happening. Exactly. And you just grew up, you went to school, you know, went back home. Yeah, nothing, went to school, insane. went to church. And you could also you could also have a taste of you know some back scenes you know let me just <laughs> <laughs> let me just put it that way because my mom might find this podcast and <laughs> you never get too old uh, for ass whooping with Nigeria uh, moms. Oh yeah, no, oh no. So let me just behave <laughs> or myself too tall, here. Or too tall. Yeah, my she mom will... used to tell me if you get too tall, I will still bend you and break you. <laughs> For real. Oh, I love her vibe, man. You couldn't play with my mom because she was raising three boys. You have to keep that in mind, you know? Oh, oh yeah. And boys are a lot. Exactly. Three boys. I have three older brothers. I I grew up with three older brothers. That's a... um, Boys are a lot. A lot of energy. A lot of indiscipline, dare I say that. (laughs) So, (laughs) I know she had to step it up. What is the one characteristic that you think you got from your mom? Oh, my mom is a go-getter. Oh, exactly. Like I if my mom that. wants something, she's, she's gonna make it happen somehow. Like she's gonna literally, literally knock on your door over and over again to make it happen. And my mom is also very social. Okay. She has like very strong um, leader characteristics. She's able to lead people. She has a lot of charisma. <laughs> Like, she's been very instrumental in church back home in Nigeria mm. when it comes and to, like, counseling. And church in a small city, too, right? So yeah, but like it's, a very, it's a very big church. Yeah. And just 
outside of church activity, she's been very she's been very instrumental in helping women and counseling them about marriages, about you know, mm. um, helping the youths when it comes to like different activities and stuff like this. So she's she's definitely a mentor, like someone who's highly respected in society in terms of. Yeah. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah. So what would you? What characteristic would you say you got from your dad? Um, my dad is able to walk alone when it's needed. Uh, mm. He's a man of values, like he really knows what he believes in and he really stands for it. Mm. And he's a lawyer, so he's been very involved in civil issues around Nigeria, like yeah. fighting for the rights of people who don't have the privilege to, you know, have the right representation legally. And it's really shaped my ideas of, you know, Nigerian politics and yeah. the responsibilities we all have as it regards making change in our environment and in, in our like communities. Both your parents have this whole, this theme of like, they want to live outside of themselves. So your mom is like mentoring and yeah. like, what what did you say, counseling women yeah. and involved in the church and your dad is doing things for the like civil rights movement yeah. in Nigeria. Do you see this like shaping who you are becoming, even like as an artist? You know, the fact that you have, you grew up in a home where it was important to do things outside of yourself. So it wasn't just like, what's best for me? <laughs> you have these parents that are out there, yeah. you know, yeah. I think I've, I've always had like a greater sense of purpose about what I want to do with myself. Right. And for me, music is, is just a stepping stone for me to um, have a bigger voice to speak on issues that concern us as a people. Yeah. So music is the tool that I can use to express myself. And I also believe music is... An opportunity to, to is an opportunity to open doors to you know reach places I otherwise wouldn't have been able to reach. Mm, I so, love that. Yeah, absolutely love that. And you also said something interesting about your dad, which is that he's not afraid to walk alone. He'll if he needs to do something, he's gonna do it, even if it means doing it alone. Yeah. Is this something that have you found yourself in similar situations, especially now that you live here, and you know you're trying to break into dare I say break into, or you're already in the music industry and establish yourself as an artist, have you found yourself in situations where you're like, I've had to walk alone? Of course. Yeah. I mean, the more you go, the more you get to learn about yourself, the more you mm. get to learn about, you know, what the music industry really entails. Yeah. And just the approach I have together with my partner, Hishkem Kehanis, we've been working together since I started, um, he's German, is trying to do things in a very untraditional type of way because... Mm. First of all, I'm not German, and I've only been here for like a couple of years. So mm. my approach to the music industry is just not the traditional way German artists would try to do things. You know, we try mm. to brainstorm on ways we can create our own movement, you know, try to create community around it. So it definitely sometimes involves you walking alone and being able to say, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Even though everyone doesn't completely understand it, we're going to go ahead to do it. Yeah. But... I also have like a very big sense of, you know, allowing people who want to support us to come in and join as much forces as possible. Because yeah. as much as you might want to walk alone, it's always necessary to have people on your team who you can trust and who you can build with. In um, establishing yourself as an artist in Germany, so you say you're not German, right? And yeah. I'm guessing, I mean, yeah, you're basically a minority in this. Like, there's not many Nigerian artists that are making music, or like African even, yeah. that are making music here in Germany. Do you feel like you being different is a bonus or a disadvantage? So, the fact how do you that mean different? Different, like being a minority. So, being the the one of the few black 
African artist that is trying to do what hundreds of thousands of German artists are doing. Mm. Do you think that has been like a disadvantage or an advantage? Um, first of all, I think there are also some exceptional um, great artists who are yeah. also black or people of color from Africa are also right. doing pretty well yeah. right now, like upcoming artists. And I think there's, there's a community of us. We just haven't found the way to really connect and we just haven't really seen that we could do a lot more if we collaborate together. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So So you have different a lot of different black artists doing a lot of hard work. Yeah, exactly. Trying to move forward. Yeah. But so there's not much synergy there yet. I wouldn't say a lot, but like there's a couple of really dope ones, but okay. we just we just <laughs> need to couple. work on on the synergy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Why is synergy I, important? Because we we're up against multinational companies or international record labels. Yeah. And they spend like hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions into, you know, production and promotion and everything around it, the marketing. I've been on the professional side of things too by doing an internship at Universal Music. So I really know what it means when I talk about the capacity these labels, you know, involve yeah. into making the project happen. Mm. And I just think that we could do a lot more as a society or as minorities if we really join forces together to create. You know, not just create, but also strategize ways we can support ourselves, yeah. come out and, you know, show some love for each other's events, you know, just anything we can do right. to support each other makes it possible for us to create our own community of people who can really relate and, you know, purchase what we're doing, come out for, for our events and shows and stuff like right. this, yeah. I I think one thing that just resonates with me as a, <clears throat> a young black entrepreneur as well myself is that it already takes a lot to get out of bed and do whatever it is that you're trying to do. And then you have all these systemic and systematic things that you're working with, like, am I allowed to be a freelancer? Do I speak enough German to go to the office where I'm supposed to register this? And I think it does make a huge difference if there's a community of people who've either gone through it as well before, exactly. willing to support you, or if after you've jumped over all these hurdles, these other things, getting yourself out of bed, getting the paperwork done, mm -hmm. you get the support that you need for the product that you're trying to build or the music that you're making. So I, I that really resonates with me. Only thing is also, you said that, you know, good to get support from each other mm -hmm. um, as a community and yeah. all of that. Um, I find this, I struggle with this a lot, even in the context of my, like my podcast, my photography, when it comes to defining a target audience, not defining it, but like at least deciding, you know, who exactly what you're creating you want to resonate with the most. Yeah. And I just have a question for you, like what do you, who do you think your target audience is? Does it matter? Do you have a lot of like... Africans that are listening to your music, people from all over the world, is it Germans, where's the... That's a very brilliant question, actually. Um, I think with music, it's way different. Like, just okay. comparing how the music landscape has shifted and changed in the last couple of years, it really shows you that music is becoming a lot more global yeah. and a lot more fluid than ever before. I mean, 10 years ago, music was always being 
defined by genre. Now we see, now we, we experience different artists touching different genres around the world, right, you know. Right. Beyonce just had the Lion King album featuring like artists from Nigeria and Ghana and, and you know, Kenyans were mad, by the way. Well, were they no Kenyans in the album? <laughs> no. no Kenyans in the album. <laughs> Nigerians always have a way. <laughs> it was like Burner Boy, Whiskey, the whole of Niger was on the album and Kenyans were like, excuse because I think like the, the some of the names in Lion King are in Swahili so there was like all these parallels but yes keep, keep going target groups yes yeah i was saying so it, it's a lot more global like when right. i just when i look at my my audience demographics in terms of data i also see my music is traveling around the world places i've never been to before you know right. brazil china philippines you know yeah uh many places I in the united that. states I uk france yeah. so it's like you kind of wonder how is this really possible? It's just music I make in my room, but it's really from the production and also from promotion because yeah. like how you push the music also affects how wide it spreads. So I don't really focus so much on thinking. I just want to have like African audiences or oh, okay. German audiences. It's like what's important for me is to create music that really comes from my heart and I feel like <laughs> I in time people are just going to resonate towards it. What about uh, audiences live? So if you are having a live show, what, yeah. what do you have more of? So far, I've been having like mixed from, okay. from whites and from, yeah. from blacks. Yeah, yeah okay. So. And do you feel like you're embraced in both, in whatever, no matter where people You tell from. me. I, <laughs> I am yet to be invited to a live show of yours, Gary. Oh, okay. I'm waiting. But yeah, okay, no, I think that was one of the questions that I had is like, okay, so you are doing, you are creating music, you're doing it in Germany. How supportive are the natives, the locals of this country? How willing are they to come out and show their love and enjoy the music and all of that? That was... Okay, so I've, I've performed in even way smaller cities where you would think no one would know me and stuff like this. Yeah. And people come out and people buy tickets, you know, okay. to support as well. And it's like, among my team members, there are also Germans who have been very instrumental in making this whole thing work. Mm -hmm. You know, from Hannes to the photographer... And Brata one, Mr. Martin, to like everyone just on the team in the yeah. room of understanding. You're not doing this on your own. I'm not doing this on my own. I have a team, and many of them are Germans. And you know, I also have like Nigerians, my brothers as well, supporting me with everything, and Africans who see the vision and support in some sort of way. So it's definitely support from both sides. Yeah. You know, I have friends in Nigeria who also support with things that I need them to help me do or, you know, just showing the music and stuff like this. If you yeah. had, like, whatever, a magic lamp or... What are the, like, what are the two things, let's say, that you could get right now that would make this journey easier for you? Especially in the context of you <laughs> being an African. Yeah. Trying to just be Gary. Just put yourself out there. Put yourself on... What are the two or three or one thing that you think, if you got it, would make this so much easier? Definitely more support from, from Africans in Germany. Okay. Yeah, because I don't think they realize how great this could all be for us, you know, as a people here. Because every single one of us who's doing something, you know, in terms of creativity or art, mm. which is a kind of way to reshape the African story, it could be something great. It could be something that can challenge thinking of people. It mm. could be something that could challenge stereotypes as well. Mm. And I feel like if we all came together to support each other's projects, not just me. Yeah. I mean, also what you're doing, for instance, and other blacks in Germany doing, you know, stuff in the in the creative business. 
I think it's gonna help us go a, a long way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's the one thing that you would absolutely that would make. And when you say support, you mean collaborations. You also mean whatever. Listening to my podcast. Yeah, listening to listening form. to the music, streaming it, telling people about it. You know, sharing it. Yeah. You know, coming out and actually spending money on tickets too. You know, buying the merchandise that we create. You know, sending a a, a text of encouragement or you know just to say i i see what you do sometimes it goes a long way yeah and you know all of those little things together makes a big difference well following my podcast instagram page you guys should definitely do that that's like (laughs) (laughs) that's like necessary yeah okay all right okay so gary a fine boy like you. <laughs> <laughs> what an African way to go about it. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, tall, you know, all of that, beard connecting and that. Um, Is it? And also successful, because I think you're you're doing great. Well, thanks. Other, 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 like, where, what has your dating experience been like in Germany? Like, how's that going? You what, do you, what exactly do you I mean? Just, like? I just, I'm just curious to know, like, what's... What's the experience been like for you? Just since you moved here, I don't know, going from Nigeria to here, starting to see things differently or whatever. Just tell me, tell me, what's your thing? Yeah. Um, well, it's been good. Okay. I'm trying to be careful not to say it's been fun. <laughs> for my mom call me on the phone and say, so you've been yes, having fun. Yes. <laughs> What am I supposed to do, mommy? <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's been good. It's been good. Yeah. You've never, have you ever had any like super negative experiences? Both actually in general, like negative dating experiences. Negative dating experiences yeah. in general. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I have. Give me an example. Just sometimes you meet people and you think you kind of have like, like a real vibe with them. And mm. you kind of like just find out like it's not <laughs> it's not what you think it is, you know. Okay, I feel like it can be, it can get a lot worse. It could that. get a lot like, worse. I thought you were know? gonna tell me about the time you got beaten up because you found out the woman was married the whole time. You know that's how bad it can get. Just, it could it could get it could get really bad. Yeah, it's never been that bad for you. Uh, no, 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 like terrible dating experience, really. No, not really. <laughs> when how old were you when you had your first girlfriend? Wow, we're going really way back, isn't Why it? Why not? I'm just curious. <laughs> um, I probably must have been 20. Ah. Yeah, I think I think I was I was ah. 19, 20. Probably 20. Oh, I thought, yeah. I thought you were about to be like 24. Like my like, real wow. first relationship. Like your first relationship. Yeah. And have you grown since that relationship? Absolutely. Okay. Like, I've been with a couple of beautiful women since then. Like, people I have a lot of respect for. Yeah. And I think relationships is always a great way for you to learn more about yourself if you're with the right person. You know, and the wrong person, too. The wrong person can also teach you a lot about agree yourself. More. I couldn't yes. agree more. Yes. And being with the right person really makes it possible for you to develop yourself a lot. Like, you guys feed off each other's energy. You kind of yeah. learn new things, new cultures. Right. And stuff like this. So... Um, that's one thing I like about, you know, having been to Germany or being right now in Germany is like, I've been in Nigeria for the most of my life and, yeah. you know, you're most especially around just the people who look like you in terms of like tribe or... Yeah, which tribe know. were you from? <laughs> Orobo, you don't know it. You wouldn't know it, it's from the south-south okay. of Nigeria, it's called Orobo. 
Orobo. Orobo. Yeah, I gotta say it right, unless <laughs> some Nigerians are coming for me. Oh, and your name Ogenegari. Yeah, Ogenegari. Yeah. Beautiful name. That's what does it mean? It's, it's it like, means God is strong. God. Nigerian names always be a sentence, eh? It always be like. It's always, it's always like a we, we don't play. We <laughs> don't guys play don't with do names. nouns like oh, it means grace or melody. It's like no. the name is so long. <laughs> <laughs> Ogenegari. My parents don't even call me Ogenegari. They, they don't call have me time. Gary. So no, I'm they like, don't have time. They why have did they make the name be. so long? They just kind of fuck with me. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's been fun. It's been good. It's been great. You know, dating, learning about people. Yeah. You know, just super vague, but I'll take it. Super, super vague. <laughs> this response, but I'm gonna accept it and ask again. Different question. Have you ever had your heart broken? Oh yes. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any songs that you've written about the heartbreak? Yeah. Like a specific one? Yeah. You should listen to All I Ever. All I Ever. Did you hear that before? No. Yeah. Keep okay. that. Okay. You yeah, save that to your when playlist. You wrote, when you wrote the song. I was actually talking about a relationship which was like toxic for me. And I was able to get myself out of it and moved on to something which was better for me like mentally and spiritually mm. and you know it was kind of like a situation where the person who i was no longer with was trying to come back in the picture yeah. and i was trying to say i don't want no drama i don't move <laughs> on you know like <laughs> all i ever okay. all i ever all, all right. i ever wanted was to make check, you happy check it you out on spotify out. people yeah okay i love that uh, I, something you know, just came into my mind like as a strong nigerian man yeah. how easy is it for you to be vulnerable like especially in your music to just um, express emotion it's something i i have kind of embedded more slowly you know with yeah. time you get to challenge your thinking of the subject of masculinity mm. we really indeed brought up in environments where i mean i'm not trying to throw any shits at nigeria being in europe i know many european men also have the same issue where yeah. we feel like we have to be very strong as men and it's from childhood socialization is everywhere it's on the tv it's on media in general sometimes you get those type of confirmations or affirmations from family as well mm. and you think you have to be strong as a man always you know mm. always that's the problem always in, in parenthesis but like the older you get the more you realize that you're able to break down the strongholds of those social mm. constructs and you become a lot more strong and powerful when you're able to know how to use your vulnerability mm. and how important it is for you, most especially for something like music. Yeah, you I know? love that. And just, to, I think it's already an accomplishment to know that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's like, it's like, since I started being vulnerable, <laughs> I can tell you I've been going on a lot more dates. Let's, <laughs> just, <laughs> let's just leave it at that. So you can decide for yourself, I have so brothers. many follow-up questions, but we cool. If you want to be hard, brothers, chilling, you could stay hard all day. <laughs> I'm going to be sweet as a chocolate. <laughs> I'm going to be sweet as pink. <laughs> oh, as a goodness. matter of fact, yeah, yeah, I could be that sweet sometimes. I love that. <laughs> I, I'm just not going to ask follow-up questions because I have too many on that. Absolutely. One of my questions yeah. when I was listening to your music was like, who inspired some of these things? Like virtual love. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking to someone specific or what? Virtual I love. Mean? Virtual love was was definitely more um, lyrical in okay. terms of like the subject matter, and it was talking about something we all, I feel like most of us in adulthood have had to deal with. You know, 
distance relationship where you really love someone and they're so far away from you yeah. and the only way you can reach them is on social media or right. you know whatever face the virtual world mm. and just how visual reality or visuality in terms of like communication cannot really replace actual real life face-to-face communication mm. that's basically what i was talking about in the song and how difficult it is for me to really get in the zone where I can really express myself over the phone or on a text message. Okay. So do yeah. you know what I mean? Do you? I t- I'm following. <laughs> I'm following. It's, yeah. To me, this, these are the questions that I get. I'm like, okay, so what, what exactly would inspire someone to write something like this? Because clearly, yeah, you're right. It's something we can all relate to. Yeah. And it's something that a lot of people have gone through. Yeah. And yeah, so I was like, okay, but what inspires you? What about a song which is very... I think it's Cairo, for example, or even low-key. Very specific, very descriptive. You really paint <laughs> word pictures. You're telling me this is just... <laughs> this guy, you yeah. gonna put me for one uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> you are just inspired. Your imagination is just running wild, huh? No, I, I told you clearly virtual love was based on, on reality. A virtual love, right? Yeah. Cool. And then what about these two songs? Um, Cairo was, it was a story. I was telling the story in yeah. Cairo. And I think it's kind of inspired from real life experiences okay. too. Okay, beautiful. With, with females I've ha- I must have had in the past. Right. I just check out the like, song. So you know, <laughs> on on the concept out. of Cairo, <laughs> I was talking about a girl I met in Cairo. And Cairo is the place that signifies where we met. You know, it's like the romantical city of the whole story. And it's like I kind of developed a feeling for her in a very short time, but she wasn't on that vibe. (laughs) (laughs) You weren't on the same page. (laughs) She was was not on the same page. So, like, I was spinning out a lot of emotions and trying to reach out for her and, like, showing a lot of vulnerability, but she was like... It feels like she really got what she wanted. (laughs) And and she just, yeah, she she flicked out of my reach really quickly. Earlier you said vulnerability works, but I guess it's not. Nine, it doesn't it's always work. It doesn't. <laughs> you know, it's like it's the flip side of what you would have about a guy meeting a girl on a short holiday. You know, making her feel a certain type of way, and then, and then the guy leaving. This time she was, you know, very powerful, very independent, very strong-willed. She wasn't going to be in a relationship. She just wanted to have what she wanted, and you know. She, she just stepped. Like, so I'm out. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like kind of saying, you're my medicine. Mm. You know, I need you back because like I really want you to be around. Yeah. And for me, it was more than just a holiday. And, you I know, like stuff like more, this. That kind of thing. Exactly. Okay. But she's like, you can't even reach me on the phone. So I'm like, ah, girl, I'm ringing <laughs> on the telephone. You should pick up on the line. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. I. What about? Okay. So. Actually, let me before I ask this next question, let me take it back. Like, who are your hip hop influences? Actually, let me take it back even further than that. What genre is your music, according to you? Um, it's it's definitely Afrofusion. Afrofusion, yeah. Afrofused with what? It's Anything. it's a combination of African sounds and Western influences from hip hop and R and B. Right. So you would hear like me singing sometimes, or me rapping sometimes, or. You know, just a combination of everything, you know, a touch of Afro beats yeah. or hip hop, trap. It's right. like the music is very rich in terms of like how wide it's able to touch different elements. And now with that in mind, 
who are your or who were your inspirations like I listen to a lot of stuff, but like okay. most especially when I wanted to start taking music more seriously or like just me drawing inspiration from music in general. Jay-Z was someone I was listening to a lot growing mm. up, still till date. Can you believe I only started listening to Jay-Z like 2020? Are you serious? I know. I've been no. lost. I have been in the dark <laughs> this whole time. No, I think a lot I've of young people, let me not just make it sound like you're super young. I know. I think a lot of young people, like right now in our generation, are not really introduced to Jay-Z's music because they feel like Jay-Z is like, his his way old, you Jay-Z know? Jay-Z was there when like Pac and Biggie were there. Exactly. Like, so he's, been he's, re- he's, he's been old in the industry. And then to make matters worse, like young people like myself, I roll, but we, we listen to music, at least I listen to music on Spotify mm-hmm. and Apple Music, and Jay-Z's music was only on Tidal until yeah. like three this months ago. This is the ago. thing, Jay-Z makes his whole <laughs> thing very, you have to kind of like seek out for it to reach it. And then, but you know what, I was listening to Joe Budden's podcast, and um, one of the things that they were talking about in one of the episodes was about how you have these young kids who just grew up in the age of Kanye. So yeah, that's, that's Kanye the thing. It's like, and I realized that was me. Exactly. That was me. So before then, I was already listening to Jay-Z. I was listening to Pac. I was listening to Biggie. But like also DMX and the rest of them. But I connected very, very heavily with Jay-Z because it was for me deeper than just the music. Like his personality mm. and how he carried himself was so much more different from the other rappers. Is this now where songs like... Which one can I use as an example? I feel like Blame Me or The Juice. You have some songs which are a bit more, it's less the emotional, Gary, if you're asking me, at least. And it's more, we have this, um, I don't want to say arrogant. I can't come up with the word. Rapper Gary. Like, very, like, (laughs) the lyrical content is very, like, I'm here. Yeah. What, what you it. gonna say? <laughs> <laughs> what you gonna do? Yeah. yeah. So that side of it is like really inspired. That's yeah. from hip hop. That's from hip hop. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely. I love that. And which side? Like, are you both? Which side are you more of? You know, are you more? It depends on the record. Okay. Depends on the beat. It depends on on the on the record. Like what I'm really trying to tell from the record, or like okay. what's being told to me. Yeah. Because like with many of these records, I really don't really know how it comes about. I think yeah. it's it's fragments of thoughts or fragments of emotions or you know just how I was socialized or what I listened to or people I have around me that inspired the music. So you can't really pinpoint it to something particularly. Yeah. So when a record comes in and I feel like there's a special story that could come out of it, it kind of just builds based on mm. already collected, absorbed information, mm. you could say. I love that. Yeah. And when it comes to, okay, especially because we were just talking about Jay-Z, right? Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about what inspired you to start doing music. Yeah. We've talked a lot about the lyrical content and like how you're building a song. What about everything around the music? Like where do That's you... That's also a big part of what like have, I've... Like, been paying so much attention to from watching Jay-Z, you know, the business side of things, yeah. you know, subjects like ownership, uh, black pride, being mm. able to navigate the industry and, you know, to create your own thing yourself, mm. own your own masters and stuff like this. Those are things I've learned from listening to Jay-Z. 
most especially you know mm -hmm. he's really inspired me to believe so much in myself i'm such a young kid because um, i learned about owning masters from chance the rapper who's been here for all of two minutes <laughs> i guess jay-z has been I, talking I, about this for years <laughs> and i already started listening to jay-z talking about owning your masters in like 2000, 2004 i'm so late you know so it's like when you already have such type of material around you somehow you kind of like just shaped to think in a certain type of right, way right. but of course i also listened to kanye west a lot when i was growing up i was going to ask where your producer inspiration comes definitely from. from kanye west oh yeah yeah absolutely old kanye to be more specific <laughs> i mean i still i still where, draw where, some inspiration from new start, kanye yeah i was about to say where does the timeline of new new kanye start for you because we've had two new dark kanye. twisted fantasy or something like this uh how do you feel as an artist as you grow your responsibility is to service your og fans mm -hmm. and to service like wow. or to to stick to the the sound that you're creating right now hmm. you know the sound that you're creating in your debut albums in your first singles how yeah. important is it for you to to, con to to kind of continue to keep some of that essence and to service your og fans wow that's a very deep question i think you learn how to do it the older you get you know mm. and the older you get the more confident you get in your voice and the more you understand your position and the more you have a greater sense of purpose and what you want to do right I think it's important to be able to draw inspiration from what the fans expect. But as an artist, you also have to be able to drive the wheel, yeah. you know, and also be like brave enough to take chances because that's yeah. the only way you're able to create something which is like going to last the test of time. Mm. It's important to be, you know, I wouldn't use the word careful, but I feel like it's important to still have your fans in mind, most especially the core audience. Right. But it's also nice to be able to free yourself from the box or from the thinking that they like you yeah. only because you made a record or because mm. you rap or because you sing. Mm. And I can really relate to this question very much because I started music off as a rapper, you know. Oh, wow. Okay. Like back in Nigeria, I was mostly doing hip hop, mostly records where I was like just doing 16 bars you know, in three verses and just like a very simple hook. Mm. But because of the love I had for music or I still have for music, I've always been very uh, ex experimental with sounds, you know, also because of the background I have in production. Sometimes I want to rap. Sometimes I want to make an R&B beat, sometimes something a bit more Afro. So it's like just the feeling to want to touch everything. I think my core audience knows that I can really do a bit of everything. So... People who really yeah. listen to it are not so surprised if I rap on the song or right. if I just sing throughout the song. Okay, and now this brings me to another layer of the question, which is how important is it to be mainstream? So hmm. how important is it for you to be palatable to different audiences? And again, you go back to like my example, J. Cole, his decision to not have features kind of pulls him from servicing the mainstream um, whatever music mm -hmm. yeah. to now it's more about the core audience that really just wants to listen to the lyrics yeah yeah so how important is it for you to be mainstream and to be almost pop like almost you know I don't think I don't really think my music is ever really gonna be that mainstream on that level because mm. 
I feel like it's serving a very niche audience that just enjoys music in general. So it's like mm. my motivation when I go in the studio is not to make a hit record or you know yeah. to get on the charts. Or it's like it really just comes from how I feel. Yeah. And that's how I judge everything I do. It's like, how do I really feel about it? Am mm. I really confident about the record? Is this something I'm going to listen to over and over and over again? Yeah. If a record pops and it goes cool. mainstream, that's great for me. Like, Of course, that's like the dream of every artist, to have a record playing in clubs. Yeah. DJs, you don't have to beg them or you know try to patronize <laughs> them to play your record. Even right. your friends who are DJs. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them, you have to beg. Let me just keep my Nigerian mama attitude somewhere, first of all. <laughs> and, you know, so it's like... I think the motivation for me is to really just focus on making records that I, I really genuinely feel I can connect with. And that's the way people can also resonate with with the records. Too. So, I, I love it. Yeah. So um, we're getting to the end of this. I know. We're having so much fun. I know. <laughs> I know. I also didn't get to talk about Nigerian musicians who inspire me. Okay. Sorry. so many Nigerian please, artists. Please, who by all means, me right go ahead. Um, Two-Face. You probably know Two-Face. You are my African Exactly. Two-Face okay. two has... This, and that's literally the only song I know. <laughs> yeah. It's been a very right. big influence mm -hmm. for me musically. Um, Fela, mm -hmm. of course. Mm -hmm. Bonoboy. I've also been listening a lot to like newer artists from Nigeria, like Odunsi, The Engine, mm -hmm. Ante Iwa, Santi. Mm -hmm. You know, I think they're really doing exceptionally great stuff with the music. I'm just really proud of where Nigerian music is right now, you know, on the global scene. Mm, one question that I had, how important is it for you to be embraced by Nigerians? Like, like in Nigeria, for your music to be embraced? I think it takes time. I yeah. think it's just very important to be clear about what the focus is, which mm. is, you know, creating quality stuff, yeah. being consistent. With mm. time, people are going to cash on, you know? Love it. Um, it's not so easy promoting music from Nigeria and from Germany at the same time, you know? It's two mm. totally different things. At the same time, I feel like there are a lot of connecting factors, you know, mm. the music, where it's coming from, the person behind it. Yeah. I feel like with time, it's going to get a lot bigger in Nigeria and, like, people are going to cash up on it. So far, like, the people in Nigeria who already listen to the music, they stream it, they share it with friends and stuff. And I really believe in time and process with everything. Okay. Yeah. Love it. Okay, so we're about to wrap up for okay. sure. Yeah. Uh, first thing, anything you want to shamelessly plug, just plug yourself in. Definitely listen to Gary's music on Spotify. Yeah. Gary Godson. Yeah. Yes. Everywhere. In, every. Oh, okay. I listen to Spotify only. Yes. Everywhere. It's on every streaming platform. Yeah. Really easy to find. Apple iTunes. Music, iTunes. Whatever. Yeah. Amazon. The lot. Everything, Any SoundCloud as well, SoundCloud, YouTube, YouTube, yeah. Also on social media, Gary Godson. Follow him on Instagram. Exactly. Facebook. Anyone? Yeah, Facebook. Facebook. Too. Twitter. Follow him on TikTok. Facebook, Twitter. <laughs> You're on TikTok. You know. Oh my goodness. So it's Gary G A R E Y Godson yeah. on all of these platforms. Exactly. Awesome. Last and definitely question. go go follow Ropa as well and go follow the podcast. I mean, this would be nice. I would really appreciate that. Please do. <laughs> Are you She's following the, the podcast, Gary? I mm. will. After, after, <laughs> after this podcast meeting, I definitely will do that. And um, last question. Last mm -hmm. question. Um, Drum yeah. roll, please. Okay. Uh, if we had to write a... If someone was writing a biography about you yeah. today, right now, mm. about Gary <laughs> until now, okay. what would it be called? Wow. The life... 
and times of Mr. Godson. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, what times, Gary? What times? Uh, I don't know why. I don't know what. It... <laughs> Woo. What? Someone get the pepper spray on this boy. Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> but it sounded really nice there. Like, it's it's yeah. got a ring to it. It's, I it's think got so a ring too. To it. Okay. Final answer: the life and times of Gary Godson. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I Gary, think so too. Ogene Gary. Yeah, Ogene. Is there, that's the real name, Ogene Gary, by the way. Do I say it right, Ogene Gary? You know your name. Your it's name Ogene is saved Gary. everywhere for me as Ogene Gary. This wow. Gary Godson is none of my business. Eh? I become an accustomed girl to be like, <laughs> what's your real name? I Most mean, especially me, African girls. Uh, be like, <laughs> African girls be me, like, what's your real name? I'm like, Ogene Gary. They're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what type of long name is that? I'm like, you asked for the real name. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say on a closing note, you know, to everyone chasing a dream, doing something, you know, just starting something which is a passion. You're not going to have all the answers to everything once mm. you just start doing it. You know, just like Europa. Mm. I mean, we talked about this a couple of times about your podcast and it's really happening today. Um, just keep doing what you do. Believe in yourself. Always be willing to seek advice from people who have, who have information which might be helpful. And don't, let any, don't allow anyone to discourage you from chasing your dreams and, you know, doing what you believe. Oh, wow. That's all I got to say. So beautiful. Sweet note to end. <laughs> <laughs> There you have it, folks. Be sure to check out Gary Godson's second studio album that dropped Saturday, 28 March. And the project is titled Still I Rise and it's inspired by Maya Angelou. You can find him on all streaming platforms. I think he mentioned this. SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and so on. Amazon Prime, you name it. And also you can follow him on Instagram and Twitter. Gary Godson, G-A-R-E-Y space. Godson. This is the podcast of Shameless Plugging. I encourage you to go listen to his music. And also, now that we've come to the end of this amazing episode, the first ever, um, I want to let you know that I do this like all the time. Like, so two weeks from now, another episode drops. I have an amazing guest. Her name is Mo Maureen. And listen, if you thought Iron Man had charisma, Wait until you meet Mo Maureen. She's an event curator extraordinaire here in Berlin. And she's all types of amazing. But anyway, babes, you've made it all the way to the last, the final seconds of this episode. Clearly, you're feeling the way I'm feeling about this relationship that we've started to build. So why don't you just lean into this chemistry and just subscribe? subscribe to this podcast and also follow me on Instagram. I'm not yelling. Like I'm just, I'm not even insisting I'm a lady, you know, so I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm just saying clearly there's something going on here that neither of us can deny. So subscribe, do the right thing. And hopefully I get to see you again in exactly two weeks when the next episode drops. Bye.